Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, 2020 Grass 10 Young Farmer of the Year, David O'Leary, joins us to discuss the success of his farm enterprise and achieving grazing KPIs despite farming a challenging soil type. But first, David gives insight into how he developed an interest in farming as a career. I was always um, interested in farming from a young age. I didn't actually grow up on a dairy farm. Our own farm was leased for about 25 years. Um, so, yeah, I kind of always had an interest in it. Look, farming with neighbours and stuff when I was small. And um, yeah, that kind of grew. So I would have farmed next door to the neighbour's farm. Um, so that he sold the cows then, I suppose, when I was maybe 12 or 13. And then I kind of sparked a relationship then, look, with Tommy Roach. Um, so I kind of, I suppose from, from that age onwards, I would have been doing relief making different things up through, right up through up to college. Um, so that's where, where the main interest would have came. So. And, and talk through then, you attended college, you know, you didn't necessarily, you know, go straight into the farming route or go to, say, ag college necessarily. Talk through that period, David. Yeah, uh, so look, I did a four-year egg degree. Um, I finished, and I also went down to do a master's actually in uh, ICT in agriculture. So um, I graduated then in 2017. So yeah, I did a four-year egg degree and a two-year uh, research master. So um, yeah, look, it's I did it in CIT. So look, it gave a good background on the business side of things as well as the farming. Um, look, I always wanted, I suppose, to have a degree behind me. And, because to be honest, I was unsure what what route to take after college, you know. So um, yeah, look, my view on it is look, it'll always stand to you, and look, if things ever don't work out in the farming side of things, at least you have have the degree and the education behind you, you know. And then you started a lease arrangement in 2018. Can you talk through the, I suppose, the key aspects of how that came about? Yeah, so look, um, I suppose it started, look, in 2016. Um, I was in that, in my final, say in September 2016, I was in my final year for the Masters. Um, well, like I said, I always kind of like farming. I had a, a big interest in it. So I said I'd give it, give it a go. And I was kind of sitting down at home and thinking about different opportunities that might be around locally. And look, there's opportunities further afield as well. But I suppose I always kind of wanted to stay they base near home as close as possible. So um, I approached Pat and Helen O'Connor at the back end of uh, 2016, um, just that if they were releasing, look to to keep it in mind or whatever, and look um, how it came about anyway in early 2017. Um, Pat and Helen look were going retiring and selling their own herd of cows in April of 2017. And um, it kind of went from strength to strength in from there. Like, I mean, um, what we actually did is I worked uh, with them during calving, during their own ca- the last year of their calving, so I'd have a handle on the farm, and look, that was their suggestion, just so that I'd know the running of the place before before I do start there, you know. So, um, so yeah, I was there in the spring of 2017 with them. Um, it gave me a good handle on, on what the farm was like, different heavy paddocks or dry paddocks or different areas on the farms, you know, and say even simple things like the water layout and different things like that. Um, so yeah, so they sold their herd in twenty seventh or in April. Um, yeah, and then look, I went to, we had the lease arranged, and I went to New Zealand for six months with um, my now fiance Megan. 
So we uh, we went to Olin Grennan Farm for six months dairying, and then we came back in um, in January uh, 2018. And three weeks later, I started fast into calving my first my first cows. So, so you you went through uh, three springs in uh, the space of eighteen months, there, David. I guess to reflect on, you know, you you talk about having a conversation with um, the O'Connors in um, late 2016. You did the spring with them in 2017 to get an idea of what the farm was like. But from your perspective, what made this opportunity and this lease the right fit for you? You you mentioned geography, you wanted to stay close to home, but was there anything else that ticked boxes for you with this opportunity? Yeah, I suppose, look, from fair enough to being near home or whatever and staying within near Castle Island as possible is one aspect, but I suppose the biggest thing, look, for me is, I suppose, when you're leaving college and like that, when we went travelling, um, like you, you hadn't a massive amount of saving, so... The first thing I was kind of looking at is to look for a farm and look at Pat and Helen's was the first thing that came to mind because like that, it's only two miles from home and the other side of it then is there was very little infrastructure needed. Um, originally, it was a six-unit milking parlour that was there. Um, they had the bowl tank in place the, and the meal bin. But you know, in fairness to, look, in fairness to Pat and Helen, like, they gave me every, every help um, possible. Like when we went to New Zealand, the um, unknown to me, they... They replaced the meal bin with a new eight-ton meal bin. They replaced the bulk tank with a new bulk tank. So, like, I mean, there was very little investment to get it up and running, only cows, as simple as I bought the tractor and I bought um, a handful of in-calf heifers off them and then I bought the rest off Tommy Roach. So, it's look at, at the step for the first two years, I suppose, um, there's no investment, very little, you know. And, you know, you mentioned that you had a conversation with them in 2016 and that is sometimes, you know, a, um, a difficult thing or it's perceived as difficult, you know, that initial conversation. You know, how, how did you start that? Where was the starting point for that? Yeah, I suppose, look, we laugh about it now, myself and the O'Connors, but I mean, it's, um, it was, to be honest, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Like, I mean, you're going, you're approaching someone that, that isn't retired and you're asking them to keep you in mind when they are in their retirement. So it's a, it's a bit of a gamble because they mightn't take too well to it, like, you know. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I just suggested it to them that if they were leasing to let me know and um, I kind of followed up, I suppose, maybe a few months later. And I was fairly eager at that stage. There was only about 25. So, um, yeah, look, it, it worked out in the end. Like, I mean, they, uh, they were looking for someone unknown to me. Like, they were looking for someone to come in and, look, it's, it's, uh, it worked out well in my favour, you know. Um, I suppose, look, the one plus side is that I stuck my stuck my neck out and look, it paid off in the end, you know. And and it is it is that thing of I guess you know building up that little bit of bravery and demonstrating I guess that you are eager and and you're you're willing to work with them. Um, you also mentioned then that you know coming out of college, you don't have a lot of savings. How did the conversation with the bank go? And you know how did you find that experience? Um, yeah, look, it's, I suppose look, to be honest, I found it found it tough because like, like that when you're when you're in college, you don't have much dealings with a bank. You know, I had no reason to be dealing massively with them. You know, um, but yeah, look, it's it it was learning like like to be honest, I love I did a business plan, but when I say a business plan, I did about ten of them. I'd say you know, um, you're constantly tweaking it. You know, I started with forty eight cows, and that was the aim the first year. And, I suppose I would have talked a lot with Paddy Kelly and Chagas at the time. So he's the one who helped me, gave me the template for the business plan. Um, and I tweaked it and 
he went through with me and we tweaked it again. And I suppose for a finish, I'd say I definitely did it seven or eight times, you know. Um, look, the bank itself, I suppose, um, what I got initially was enough to buy the, I bought a truck. I had no machinery myself anyway. Like I said, the farm at home was leased. So I bought the tractor and I bought um, a handful of in-calf efforts off Patton Helen. And that's as much as I got at the time. So I suppose from here on then is, is where I suppose Tommy Roach came into play. Um, so yeah, so look, like I said, I had 48 cows. So I bought 13 off Patton Helen. So I, the remainder, the 35 came from Tommy Roach's farm. And can you explain that dynamic, David, in terms of, you know, the you had finance enough to buy some machinery and 13 animals the target for you in your business plan was to milk 48. You know, where did the remaining 35 animals come from? You you mentioned they came from Tommy, but talk through that arrangement. Yeah, so look, I suppose, like I said earlier, I have a good, very good relationship with him. You know, um, I would see him still, even as a mentor to this day. Like, um, So I like the way Tommy suggested it and it worked out massively in my favour. And could, I suppose in a way he took a gamble on me. Like he, uh, thought we did look, we put a value on the on the heifers, and we agreed uh, a fixed fixed amount over over a period of six years. So he let me, he allowed me to pay back, pay back over a period of six years. So only for that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be making, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am only for that. Like you know, um, like like I said, I only got enough money to. To buy a small amount of in calf efforts and and the machinery, so only for him doing that, I, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't be, uh, won't be, won't be making calls. I wouldn't have got the finance for it. I think it's 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 a really interesting concept, and I think it's a demonstration of someone backing you. And I suppose, as you say, you'd built up a relationship over ten plus years with Tommy, so he had the the trust in you um, as well. You mentioned additional infrastructure. Um, so while you while you were away on your travels um, in New Zealand, um, you know, you had the situation where Pat and Helen were, I guess, upgrading the infrastructure on the farm, which took the pressure off you. Um, you know, the, you, you talk about the bulk tank and the, the meal bin. Um, you know, have you, um, I suppose, done anything in the form of infrastructure in the yard or in grassland since you started there i mean you're three years there now at this stage yeah so yeah i would have i suppose like i said the farmer set up i suppose um look for the 48 cows there was no issue but i suppose the issue at the time was stocking rate and the paddocks are very deep um at the time look i thought they are very deep for 48 or 60 cows um so i put in a lot of spur roads i put in uh, about six of them, I think, up to now. And I put in a main, another main farm roadway as well to access another eight acres um, with multiple gaps. Look, I suppose the farm itself is, is divided by a main road. So there's one third, um, which would be very mixed sides across the road and, and the farm side, as we call it, it'd be, um, it'd be fairly dry. So look, you need the access, especially, I suppose, where we're situated. Look, like I said, it's a mixture of heavy soils and it's a high, high enough rain, rainfall area as well, you know. Um, so yeah, look, I put in a lot of a lot of spur roadways. I put in um, the main another main farm roadway. I put in I receded about thirty five percent, I think, over the last three years. So I kind of went heavy at the receding because I suppose the aim um, the aim initially look was to make sixty cows on the farm. And until I started receding, I never really realised the full potential of the farm. Um, so look, this year we're actually calving down. We're aiming to milk eighty cows. So um, so yeah, look, it's 
it's gone from I suppose it's gone from forty eight cows in the first year to eighty cows now, so it's it's a fairly rapid enough expansion. Um, so yeah, like like I said, look to the farm owners themselves. They they replaced the meal bin, they replaced the bull tank when I was away, and when I came home, funnily enough, the sixty unit parlor was an eight unit parlor. So. I suppose, in fairness to them, they back me a lot as well, you know. So. It's an incredible story, really, David, when you think about it. And I don't know, is it reflective of the normal lease in that, you know, the farmer who is stepping back? And in this case, you know, you have Pat and Helen and they, you know, they're upgrading it, you know, and, and putting in the investment, you know, for essentially somebody else's to make somebody else's life easier. Yeah, look, it's it's, it's not reflective of a normal lease, to be honest. I know how lucky I am with with the two lads um, investing what they have invested, and I suppose look, it's it's um, it's nice to have them backing you. You know, um, they're uh, they are a massive help look to me over the last three years, and they still are a help. And I suppose Pat's, Pat's out in the hall, out in the farm all the time as well, still helping out. You know. And if we turn our attention then to the technical performance of the farm, David, and I guess I, I suppose the first thing to acknowledge and congratulate you on on your recent accolade, you know, achieving the Grass Ten Young Farmer of the Year. Um, I suppose you know maybe you, you if you could give us some insight, what made you stand out from the crowd in terms of of achieving that award? Like I said, I've done a lot of receding over the last three years. Um, and look, I suppose the, the infrastructure, like I said already, is it's it's useful, like looking at it now, I suppose with 80 cows, it might be might be overkill slightly, but I suppose with the smaller numbers for the first two years, it made things a lot easier. Um, and look, I suppose the fertilizer side of things is, is a big thing here. Um, look, I, I suppose the, the amount I spread last year was, was 180 kilos of uh, in per hectare. So and I grew 14, just over 14 tonne. So um, look, I'd be fairly, I'd be fairly, fairly strict on myself in terms of fertilizer on on the dairy platform. Um, so yeah, look, I suppose there's different areas that they're looking at, like annual tonnage, grazing per paddock, infrastructure, use of clover, use of nitrogen, different things like that. You know. And and what is making you grow fourteen tons with that? I suppose a, a conservative level of nitrogen, as as um, I suppose. Uh, regulation currently stands what what is driving grass growth for you i suppose look it's i suppose the, re, the amount of receding that's done it's it's really kicking off the response to nitrogen you know any of the older swords that are on the farm like you'd see it a mile away use um any nitrogen they get it's very there's a very little little response to it you know so i suppose a lot of it is is the receding that's paying off at the moment and i suppose I'm still not finished it. Like I said, there's only 35% done in three years, which is still is a good figure. Look, but there's still a lot more to go, you know. So um, yeah, look, it's the, the receding is the main main side of things. And look, the indexes on the farm when I started were 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 almost perfect, you know. And I suppose I did rise them over the last three years as well. So a lot of the farm is index trees and fours, you know. Two thirds of that the farm, the drier side of the farm is is index trees and fours. So that's what's driving most of the tonnage, you know. And and a couple of things then that you, you've mentioned along the way, um, just to pick up on David, you know, you talk about the, the farm being mixed in terms of some heavy, some dry, dry uh, soils and also then that you're dealing um, and I suppose managing, um, you know, a farm in a heavy rainfall area. Can you give us a picture of what the grazing season looks like for you? I know now you've experienced of, um, you know, completely different weather events across the last three years. But, you know, what is a normal grazing season for you? 
Yeah, look, even I suppose at the moment, even looking Tracy into calving, um, you'd be hoping to, to be on off grazing, I suppose, over the next two weeks. Um, and like that, like I said, that, that could be one boat of graze, one boat of three hour grazings only in the middle of the day or whatever. Um yeah, so like look, we'd be we'd be on off grazing hopefully sometime in February. It's it's most look on an average year, I suppose you might be out towards the third week of February, but like it's it's a hard one to say. Like you said, it's it, over the last three years. Look, it's it's been mixed, uh, very mixed. Someone said one time I got it's a baptism baptism of fire here um, because we'd snow, we'd drought, we'd rain, you know. So it's 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 um, it can be challenging. Look, I suppose, but at the same time, like I said, we'd be on off grazing in February. We'd be out full time probably in Mar middle of March, Fetty's Day onwards, maybe. Um, you know, it's it's really is weather dependent. Um, and look, we'd be again, I suppose, the fall of the year. It all depends. It's all down to weather. You know, it's it's not necessarily on drier farms. Look, it'd be down to the farm cover, but a lot of the time it's weather that shuts it down here. Like, you know. And when do you normally finish grazing, or would you on off graze in the autumn time, David? Yeah, look, we'd be on off grazing in November here, even still. Um, but I suppose look, it's the one thing about here is that you have to try and manage the dry ground. Um. You know, like if if you go into it even in the springtime and gra in, and graze at all, um, you know, it, it becomes challenging because I suppose what we'd say is you'd have to get to the middle ground, ground that's that you can get to let's say on an average day. Like you know, if you graze all your dry ground, it's very it's very um, it'll be very challenging then in, in wet weather to get out get back out. You know, it's the same in the back end of the year. If you it's like I said, the the one third of the farm that's across the road, any chance we get um, in the spring, we say. Even if, say, if it was in March, you just pull the pin on the farm side and you go straight across and graze as much of that ground as you can. Obviously, you try to follow as much as you can with the spring rotation planner, but it's weather that um, it dictates it, you know. Any of the heavy ground, if you can get to it, if it's reasonably dry, you graze it and it's done, you know. And I guess, I guess in March, you have the advantage that the cows have built up their appetite and, you know, they can graze off areas of ground quicker. Yeah. But I guess, you know, to I, I suppose to, you know, you know what you're talking here is you know your full time at grass is is definitely I guess a, a smaller figure in terms of days as opposed to a, a, a fully drier farm but I guess now that we're having this conversation in early February you know you mentioned you get out on off grazing in the um the middle of February and you tend to get to full time in and around St. Patrick's Day so when does your spring rotation plan finish um, you know, do you see, I suppose, a common theme in that you don't graze the entire farm in the spring rotation? Can you give us a little bit more detail on that, David? Yeah, yeah. Look, I suppose, like what you're what you're aiming for is your, I suppose, like your thirty percent in February, thirty in March, and the start of second round around the seventh, between the seventh and tenth of April. But like again, I suppose they're they're idealistic figures, you know. Um, you could be adding roughly a week onto those onto those um, dates down here. So look, um, yeah, look. More often than not, what actually happens is um, when you're beginning to start the second round that time in April, you still have about ten. Normally, even here, you still have 10, 10 to fifteen percent of the farm left to graze um, in the first round. So you're you're. I suppose the way I look at it here is you're looking back at what's coming coming through in the second round and you're waiting for the covers to build up for in the second round and dipping in and out of you could be grazing some of the second round and some of the first round at the same at different times, you know. It all depends again on what covers are coming back in, in the second round. Um so I looked at like I said, the aim is to have those try and stick to the spring rotation planner if possible, but like like that, it's 
it can be tricky with conditions in, in paddocks and even rainfall. So like I said, you'll um, you do more often than not, you're dipping in and out of, of the first rounds and uh, still continuing with the second round, you know, just to slow it down. So what I'm hearing from you, David, is, you know, there's a lot of flexibility needed. And I guess, you know, what, what you talk about, keeping an eye on what's coming, what you grazed first in the first round, where that is in terms of farm cover, in terms of making your decisions and, and, and moving on from the spring rotation. I suppose you also mentioned that you started off with a, um, you know, a bunch of 48 heifers and say, you know, they're obviously maturing, but you're also dealing with increasing cow numbers over the last uh, two to three years. Can you give us some insight into the production of the animals, I suppose, the cow type and, you know, what you see working well or if there's anything you change in the herd, David? Um, yeah, look, I suppose, like I said, I started out with 48 cows and we're up to 80 at the moment. The DBI of the herd, look, it's predominantly black and, black and white. The DBI of the herd is uh, 167. So look, it's 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 uh, to be fair, look, to, I can't put any claim to to breeding, I suppose, at the moment. But a lot of it's down to Tommy's breeding. But yeah, it's DBI, the herd is good. Production at the moment, last year they delivered just under 460 kilos of solids um, off 840 kilos of meal. So look, production is, it is very good. I'm very happy with it, to be honest, because even even looking back on it now, I suppose I might not realise it at the time when you're so busy, but um, the average lactations of the the herd itself is only 2.5, which is young, you know? Um, like, I suppose the first year, what we did was it was 35 in-calf heifers and 13 second calvers, just to try and keep milk production up slightly. But even now, year on year, like it's, I did, it's it's increasing fairly fast. Like last year, I think it was was it around 395 kilos, or sorry, 2019, 395 kilos of salads are delivered, and it's up to 460 now. So I suppose he would here on out. Look, 80 cows is 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 the sweet spot here, but it's um it's trying to let it bed down a bit now and increase the, the lactation age. You know, it's it's um the herd do they do have big potential in you know that. I'd say they will do over 500 kilos of, of salads. There's, there is no question about it. Like at a herd at that age doing those salads, look, I can't, you can't ask for much more, you know. And, and as you say, as the herd matures, it's a matter of time now um, at this stage. Um, you know, I suppose a common theme as we've uh, chatted here, David, is people. And, you know, you mentioned, I, I guess, uh, maybe you can't underestimate the influence you've had from Tommy and, and his backing, uh, particularly over the last number of years. And also, I guess, your relationship with the O'Connors. And then, I guess, you, you know, you also alluded to making the business plan and, you know, um, getting support from the likes of Paddy Kelly. Um, the word mentor and, and, I guess, people around discussion groups can be quite um, valuable. Um, how important are the, I guess, the people that you're interacting with and the people that are helping you along the way to, I suppose, achieving and getting to where you want to go? Oh, look, to be honest, look, I'd, and I say it over and over to different people, I'd be lost without, without the help over the last three years. Like, I mean, like you mentioned Tommy there, he started me out with the cows he, and even even different things. Like, I mean, I'm in um, a local grass group here. Um, and at the time, I suppose in 2018, I couldn't get into any discussion groups. So the local advisor, Dennis Braswell, got, got me into the grass group. And like, I mean, at the time, I suppose I wasn't measuring um, when I'd started. I hadn't hadn't massive experience on farms. So, I mean, even the grass group themselves and Dennis have 
have been a massive help all through the last three to four years, you know. And I suppose even to give an example, even what when I started out grass measuring, I was cutting and weighing every every paddock nearly just to try and train my eye. And what what we actually ended up doing is William Dinnehy, a local farmer, we buddied up and William comes over. Obviously, we can't at the moment with COVID, but William comes over once a week or every five days when, when I'm due a cover and he'll grass measure at me and then I go back and measure his farm on the same day. So it's, it's um, like you said, relationships are massively important, you know. And like, look, to be honest, without naming anyone else, there's there's loads of others that have, um, that have helped me in different areas with infrastructure and different things, you know. So it's, it is at the start, at the, look, when I started that time, I suppose when you're that bit younger, you don't really realize how important the whole relationship side of things is. And like, even from a personal side, even family and different things helping out, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. Like you, I suppose, like I said, when you're young, you underestimate the people that are around you, but as, as you get that bit older, you really, you really realize, um, you know, how, how important relationships are and how, how much people do help out, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a really important point and, and it's a theme, you know, you keep coming back to across the conversation that, you know, you know, the, the help you've received and um it's you know, it's 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 nice that you um recognise it too. I guess finally, um, you know, based on you know, you getting involved in, in a collaborative type opportunity, David, and, and you know, you mentioned that you're you're from a small farm at home and there isn't necessarily an opportunity to milk cows there. Um, you know, from your experience, for anyone who is starting out or, you know, on the lookout for an opportunity, can you give us your top tips from your experience to date? Yeah, I suppose. Look, it's um, it's all about trying to find the right opportunity for for that for that individual. You know, it's um, it's not every farm you go into that it's gonna it's gonna be the ideal opportunity. You know, I suppose. Look, from my point of view, you have to look at it from an investment side of things when you are starting out. Um, you know, to see, like I said, what infrastructure is there, and I suppose at the end of the day, it's what capability to it's that you go mad of a cow numbers, but I mean, it has to have. A, so a significant amount of, of cows um, on farm, you know, to produce money because I suppose at the end of the day, that's that's what you want is to produce cash, you know. So look, it's it's about trying to find the right opportunity. And if, I suppose the way I look at it and look at paid off for me is that if you do stick your neck out and and approach people, if you, I suppose when I was younger, like and when I started at the time, you it is a hard thing to do is to approach someone, you know, that it might be retiring or. That even might be getting out of cows that you're trying to you're trying to I suppose coax them or persuade them that that you're the you're the right fit for them. Do you know it is? I suppose at the end of the day, it's like a sale. It is you're trying to sell yourself. It's a sales pitch. Do you know, so it's it's about trying to find the right opportunity, and at the same time, do you know, it's it's just something that um that has to be the right fit for you. I think do you know, like it's me personally. I wanted to be near home, and and look, like I said, I approached Pat and Helen, and and it worked out. Do you know, so it's. It's, I suppose it's look investment side of things and and like I said at the time I didn't really realize it but the relation side, relationship side of things is uh, is massive it's it's to me look it's looking at it now it's, I suppose it's more important nearly than than um, than the actual or how far away the farm is you know yeah so I, I guess what I'm hearing from you David is the right opportunity that works for you and also you know linking up with the right people this has been a really nice conversation David um to hear about your story and we look forward to hearing more from you throughout the year through um the grass 10 platform and the very best to look with the calving season ahead thank you David thanks, thanks. that's it for this week's episode of the dairy edge podcast 
and my thanks to David O'Leary for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.